our whole effort in my fundamental belief system is that children belong with their families and they heal with their families and they build the skills with their families. And it's not a one person effort. Um, that child's not going to go get fixed and changed. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna be a whole family coming together and learning how to create a new normal and how to regulate through our own stressors and anxieties and emotions as a parent and a caregiver in order to be able to show up how we want to for our kid. Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to parenting that kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers. Dina, thank you so much for joining me. I am really excited. I have to say the, um, the just your website title, caption, just like it, it steals your heart because you want to heal. And I like that you're empowering it to somebody else. That's my huge thing. Like empower people, empower parents. And so that's um, when I started digging deep into your website, I was like, oh, this she's got something to share and we need to learn from her. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to get to join you and speak to your audience. I've got to tell you the past like 10 years of my life, I've devoted to working with children with um, complex mental health diagnoses and working with their caregivers and families. And it's been the honor of my life to get to learn from them and be welcomed into their home in some of the hardest times of their life and to be with them to get through those moments. So thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that is, um, it's a personal space that you become a part of. And that's mm -hmm. really a lot as a parent to welcome somebody into something that's already really uncomfortable in your life, but you probably create this relationship with them. And that yes. parent, that's also amazing to have that extra, support, <laughs> that extra person that's going, it's okay, breathe. We'll get through. Yes, day. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> introduce yourself a little bit and then give a little bit more detail. Just tell us about yourself, what these 10 years were, and then we'll kind of dive into what you're doing now and how they kind of go together. Yeah, perfect. So I have spent the past 10 years working. I'm here in Arizona um, and I've worked in our public mental health system at an outpatient mental health clinic for children and families. And I started as a clinician providing therapy. And throughout my journey, I moved into doing assessments, functional behavioral assessments and full body assessments, um, leading programs, developing hospital stabilization teams. And then I was an assistant program director to a few in-home, like meet me where I am, stabilization teams. And so I've worked just extensively with children with really complex um, mental health diagnoses. So by the time they come to needing our types of services, they've usually tried counseling efforts, um, whether that's individual, family, group, they may have tried medication management. The children may have been in and out of hospitalization or on the verge of like families talking about um, like 
treatment facilities where their child goes to live for a period of time for treatment. And our whole effort in my fundamental belief system is that children belong with their families and they heal with their families and they build the skills with their families. And it's not a one person effort. Um, that child's not going to go get fixed and changed. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna be a whole family coming together and learning how to create a new normal and how to regulate through our own stressors and anxieties and emotions as a parent and a caregiver giver in order to be able to show up how we want to for our kid because kids brains are developing and so they're going to go through the whole like um I don't know like typical children without mental health diagnoses have big struggles right and so it's just it's normal in childhood to have hard hard stuff absolutely wow okay so then how does that kind of go to what you're doing now your focus on your business and your specific niche I know that they kind of go hand in hand mm-hmm. yeah with that like one of those how do those two things come together Yeah. So I actually decided to leave my position and my role in the public mental health system because I felt um, the agency I worked at was a pioneer in the way that we serve children and families. And the larger public mental health system is archaic in the terms of how they view mental health diagnoses and treatment of mental health diagnoses. And the, the world and the research is telling us something else. And so I needed to honor that and step away. And I really felt the need to provide voice um, and choice and knowledge and understanding back to families rather than always having like a clinician or somebody that you look to as like the expert. Um, I believe that parents are the experts of their lives and of their children and children's are also the experts of their lives. And we're going to learn more from them than I am going to teach them. And that work is going to be like the internal hard work that we do to understand ourselves and um, be able to kind of navigate the differences in what our dreams were when we decided to have a family to what they are now and that navigate that difference. And so I started a podcast called the Empower to Heal podcast, and it's all about hearing stories of everyday people and their experiences and how they found the strength and the power within themselves to heal rather than always giving that power to somebody else and say like, Oh, I'm waiting for my Tuesday therapy appointment to unpack that. Like (laughs) it's your life. You get to own it. And, um, and now I'm working on building a, a academy for parents right now to, it's going to be a space for them to uh, learn and gain knowledge and understanding practice and do that deep work together. Mm -hmm. And as a group, and then take action to implement that into their lives so that the, the hard work that they're doing that doesn't feel like they're doing it alone and they have people going through the same stuff with them together on that journey and they're starting to be able to see life differently because how you think about life and how you see life becomes your reality and if right. we can shift those thoughts and those perceptions and our, our access to tools and understanding and our ability to implement it then we will see that change and we will find that, that, that goal and that feeling that we want for our family. I love that. Yeah. It's, um, it's not an individual. It is a, a group of people or a community, but you have to come back to yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful. And I think I like how you, you're, you're, you admit you're not just handing it over, right? This is work that you do as a family and mm-hmm. um, that's empowering to the parents who feel that they can't, or maybe they're not equipped to do that and they don't know how to do that. So having something for people is really a good, um, going on. That's so good. Yes. I remember when I became a parent, I had this like idea in my brain of what it was going to be like. And then I birthed my son and I was like, 
oh my God, I have no control. Like <laughs> I literally have zero control. Wait a second. I didn't think it was going to be like this. <laughs> and the realization of like, okay, like yep. I can control myself and I can control my emotions and I can co-regulate with him, but the mm -hmm. rest of it feels like guesswork and just learning my kid and trusting that how I, I lead life with him, he's going to soak some of that up. And it was like this fundamental, like awareness inside me that, okay, like this is going, like, this is going to be a Dina journey, not necessarily a journey of me creating this family I've always dreamed because I don't, I can't control my son. I can't control what he likes to eat, what he likes to do, what he wants to wear when he has a big moment, when he like melts down in the grocery store and we're like, trying to go back in the car like I can't control any of it <laughs> yeah but it's it's good to see that it you have power over yourself right? uh -huh. and I think that as a parent acknowledging that and then it, as difficult as it is in the moment to be like oh right I have to control myself or I have the ability it's uh not it's not the easiest thing to do but it's the first, just acknowledging that is such a good thing it's a good mm -hmm. starting point Yes. Um, so your target audience, it sounds like people who are struggling. I mean, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, these are families like, you know, like many of the people that I'm, that are listening to my podcast, they're just trying to find an answer or moment or something to hold on to. So I'm guessing your tar that's who your target audience is, but maybe you can expand on that. Who is yes. your target audience? Yes. Yeah. So anybody who is a parent or is going to become a parent, and if you're feeling at odds, if you feel like you, you have no control in your family anymore and you don't know what to do if you're scared um for what's going to happen next or your child's future um if your child does have mental health diagnoses and you're just in shock of like what do i do next like this is for you if you want to become a foster parent or an or a adoptive parent um this is good stuff to know so all of the journey and and everything that you do for yourself in this journey is applicable for how you how you hold space for your family and how you raise your family, right? So if we're doing the internal work on understanding our own underlying needs, understanding what our body needs to regulate, how we express and feel emotions and how we assess others around us do, how we meet those needs of other people, how we can navigate our body in its entire kind of ecosystem of like the nutrition and the sleep and the movement that we give our body and understand how all of that works together to create healthy mindsets and when we can actually feel like we have hope again. And so it's kind of working all of those angles together and all of that's like, you can translate that to anybody else in your life as well. True. And to any relationship that you might have within your life, not just. A yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you said, you know, movement and your nutrition that you give your body, all of that. Can you give a little bit more detail on what it is exactly you would do? Just maybe act like I just showed up and I'm just falling apart and my life feels like it's going to just crumble around me. Sometimes it does feel that way. Mm -hmm. What is something that you would offer? What is a to-do task or how do you get going with somebody who maybe just is going, I don't know what I'm going to sign up for, but I just know I need some help. Yeah. So the first start of the journey is understanding yourself. And so, um, the work that we do at the beginning is a lot of guided imagery and journaling to try and understand. So I believe wholly, especially since I've gone through this in my life, that you have a dream of what your family is going to look like. And then when reality hits, there's this, this difference between what the dream was and what life looks like today. And I tried so hard to fit 
my life into the box of the dream that I had before and it had outgrown it, but I didn't recognize that. I saw it as faulty. I saw it as like, I need to like force it into the confines of what my dream was instead of letting my dream grow with my family. And so a lot of guided imagery and internal work around what did that look like for you? And let's go through that, what I would call a grief process of being able to allow yourself to recognize that dream. And if you feel the need to grieve it, do so. And then let your brain move to the place of being able to, to formulate an idea or a, a thought or an image of what your new dream is for your family. And then let's start understanding why, why are these things important to you? What makes you tick? What are your pieces of your life, your culture, your family that matter so much to you and why? And if we can understand those under, underlying fundamental needs that you have as a parent or a human being for your family, we can start opening up the lens of different ways to meet that, that we didn't see before. Sometimes we're in like tunnel vision, trying to focus on a specific dream that we have. And once we open up those like peripheral vision, you get to see all the other things that are beautiful that would ultimately meet those underlying needs, but might look different. And so we do that work. And then once you do that for yourself, we can translate that for your child and the other people in, in your home. And we do that in a way of like trying to break down we, we carry our own biases. Right. And so when you're a parent and you're looking at your kid and you're like, I need you to just stop, right. I need you to stop punching holes in the wall, stop throwing things off the shelf at the grocery store. Like I need you to stop. We want them to stop, right? That's not a need. Our need might be to have peace and quiet or feel like things are functional for a second, but their need is something else. And if we don't recognize our need and and have awareness around our biases and how we want the world to function, we're not going to be open to understanding what their needs are. And so if we can create that interpretation there, um, then we're going to, we're going to be flowing. And then you, you, we work in the rest of the stuff. Like when, when do I feel best in myself? let's talk about like movement. A lot of times people think of moving their body and like, I don't have time to go to the gym. Like you got to know when I wake up, there's like another child laying on top of me and like, I have to get them off to school and I have to do X, Y, and Z and go to work and come home and cook dinner. When do I go to the gym? And it's leaving the mindset of movement from like this to do to understanding how our vagus nerve works within our body. And so if you know, like the body keeps the score, um, or any work around the vagus nerve or the polyvagal theory, there is this really strong understanding that um, a large portion of the information that goes from our body to our brain comes up to our brain. It's not our brain telling our body what to do. And so understanding the science of that and figuring out how do you stimulate that vagus nerve through rhythmic input and movement breath work. So we'd practice different breathing techniques um, and different like interventions of how you can splash water on your face or things that actually stimulate that vagus nerve to regulate your body, to regulate your brain. And that, that classifies as movement, right? That's what your body needs to express all that's like pent up inside you so that you can get a clear mind again and get out of your stress response system. So a lot of like knowledge and education, which you have to transform into like an understanding for yourself. And then Mm -hmm. how do you act? How do you actually make a difference around it so that you physically feel different and you have the mental capacity to work with your children and and live with your family in a different way. And that forms different relationships, which forms different experiences and emotions together. Right. Wow. That sounds really in depth. And and definitely (laughs) a lot of internal 
work that you're working yes. on. And that can be pretty intense, I would guess. Yes. Speaking personally and then listening to that. So then how does that correlate with anybody who might have a child that's struggling with any kind of, you said challenges that you'd worked with in the past could be pretty deep, but we're talking, mm-hmm. you know, simple, <laughs> simple things like ADHD, anxiety, things that we live with on a daily basis at our house versus mm-hmm. people who just have children at home. And as you mentioned earlier, parenting is challenging no matter the child. How does yes. that work with those types of families? Yeah. So the beauty is, is it'll work with any family because the work starts with yourself. And if you have the awareness and understanding within yourself, then you're going to start recognizing and seeing what your child needs. So when I think of a child who is like ADD or hyperactive, um, impulsivity can be hard. So you can have a kid who's got like, no, it's like, oh, I see this and I act. There's no thought or regard for safety or anything else around them. And you're constantly on guard of like, what's going to happen? What idea are you going to come up with next that you're going to just like all of a sudden be implementing and um, understanding how your body regulates and how to slow down your brain and your response system and how nutrition changes your your impulsivity and how your body works for yourself. You're going to start being able to understand that for your child. And the cool thing is, is once we do it for ourselves, there's a lot of material that translates to your children, but there's also group opportunities to come together and share. Like I'm recognizing this for me. This is what I'm recognizing and how I'm parenting my child, how I'm interacting, how I'm feeding my child. And this is what's working and not working. And then parents getting to come together and share that journey together. Cause oftentimes one, one of us doesn't think of everything, right? right. Like, or how you implement something might be different how, than how I am implement something. So we could think we're doing the same thing, but when I hear you share a story of it, I'll have like a light bulb moment of like, Oh, I should try it that way. <laughs> we learn best from parents. I feel that way. At least I learned mm-hmm. Parents that are in my community, I mean, doctors are great and those resources are good tools, but parenting is a, it's a tool that, yes. <laughs> and, and I like that because you said it's things that you can work on with yourself and a lot of this, then you can put towards your child. And I mm-hmm. think that is, um, that's empowering your child as they grow and get older as well, because they can carry mm-hmm. this on. Absolutely. And a lot of the material, like just learning about how to regulate your body, you're going to learn that for yourself, but your brain automatically as a parent is always thinking about your kids. And so you're, you're always plugging it in into how am I going to apply this with them? Maybe we're going to wash our face. I'm going to teach them when they get upset, splash water on our face, right? Maybe we're going to do these breathing techniques at bedtime, or we're going to implement this into a prayer routine or things that you can like kind of stick into your already existing routine or how you do something that creates opportunities for that regulation, which will in turn will decrease the impulsivity or the nutrition, like eliminating all of the food dyes out of your, out of your, your child's diet. There's so much research around that and the benefits of that decreasing the sugar intake. And if you're not aware of these things, like typically then, then you're just going through your life frustrated. But once Mm -hmm. you learn the information and you have an understanding of it, you start to see what you can control, um, and what actions you can take. You can control what your child eats when they're in your home, at least, right. Right. You can't control if they go get hot Cheetos (laughs) out of the vending machine at high school, but (laughs) (laughs) okay. So do you have some practical tips or, um, things that parents can start working on now. I love that this is focusing on the parent and not the child. A lot of the times Mm -hmm. parents automatically go to, how can I quote unquote fix my child? As you mentioned, you can't send them away. It's not like taking a dog to to dog school for eight weeks and they bring you back a perfect dog. (laughs) 
how as or what can parents do now on the, themselves at home if they're going i feel like this is something i need but i want to start implementing something today this moment do you have anything that you would yes i have so many so yeah. um one of the things that i like to think of first and i do this in my own life and it created a huge change in the families I worked with is a technique called soft belly breathing. And I learned this through a book called the transformation and this breathing technique, you can Google the center for mind body medicine, and they have YouTube videos on soft belly breathing, but do this for yourself. And I do it every single day. I do it when I wake up and I do it when I go to sleep and just give yourself 10 minutes to practice this breathing technique. It stimulates your vagus nerve, which is the nerve that is responsible for getting you out of a stress response state. And so once you start doing this regularly, your body becomes familiar with it and that muscle memory kicks in and you start breathing differently. A lot of times we forget diaphragmatic breathing, right? We're breathing in our chest and we're not actually letting our bodies like do what they're supposed to do when we breathe. Breathing is supposed to be very healing and processing for our bodies. And so just learning this new technique is extremely powerful. So I would highly recommend that. And then another thing that I keep in my mind at all times is like um, these five starter sentences to try and dwindle down to what underlying needs are. So oftentimes I'll get in my brain of like, they just want this, want this, want this. And I won't stop and, and stop listening to that or stop taking that behavior at face value and start trying to understand what that behavior is communicating mm -hmm. in order to understand what my child needs or what I need. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's easier to start with myself and say, okay, I might just scream like really upset at my husband for a second. Like, I just need a minute. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, I'll give you a minute. And then a minute passes and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was like, okay, I didn't just need a minute. <laughs> I needed a lot more than that. And I needed something else. And so the, the behavior or the face value of it didn't really meet my underlying need. Right. And so I have to reflect and kind of see, okay, what is it that I need? And there's these five starter sentences that I use to try and dwindle down what those underlying needs are. And so I'll ask myself, like, what inside am I screaming out that I need, right? What is that big hole or empty space or angry space or feeling inside me? What is it screaming that it needs to feel, that it needs to know, that it needs to have, that it needs to experience, or that it needs to see? And mm -hmm. so have, no see, experience, feel. Like those five mm -hmm. things um, help me understand what I need to get. And sometimes it's as simple as like, I need to see that my husband can handle this for a minute while I go, because it's not all on me and I need to see him do that. And then I'll know <laughs> that it's not all on me. Right. Yeah. And that having that, like, okay, that's what you really need right now. You right. need, you need someone else to step in and get this moment so that you can go have a break and realize like you're not a one man show. Um, or I don't know, it could be anything, but then right. use that for your children too. And be aware, like, it's not, it's not what you want them to do, um, but it's what they, their little hole inside their, their little soul or heart are screaming that they need in order to do well, or feel well, or feel complete, feel understood, any of those things. So really those two techniques, when I yeah. use them in combination, like I regulate my body and I let my brain actually like dig down to what the behavior is saying that, that you need. Do you use those five 
and trying to interpret what your child Mm -hmm. not just what you, but you're actually thinking. Yeah. For anybody in the world. So (laughs) I use it a lot for my child. Um, I found that if I try to use it on other people before myself, I usually don't hit the nail on the head. And so, and be ready for that and have some humility around it. I'll still do it to to this day. I'll go up to my son and I'll say like, I'm sorry, do you need a hug? Like, do you need to, you need comfort, right? Do you need a hug? And he'll say no. And then he'll tell me something else. And I'm like, Okay. Like I got it wrong that time. Take a deep breath. Okay. What do you need? Right. And sometimes it comes with no and a push. And sometimes like I, you guys probably have felt it all in those moments, but, um, have humility, practice your soft belly breathing and, um, check for accuracy when you're working with somebody else. So if that's your child or a partner or a friend, anybody in your life, if you're trying to understand their underlying needs, work that into the conversation when you're attempting to meet that need, verbalize what you're attempting to do and see if it, if it hits home or not. And usually you'll be redirected to the right thing when you go down that path. I like that. I like that. Check for accuracy because as parents, we automatically assume, or we'd like to assume, okay, this is going to work. Yes. (laughs) And it didn't work. And now what's my plan B because I don't have one. This was plan A and it was going to work. (laughs) And I like that check for accuracy and, and your children will probably be very clear if it's accurate. (laughs) Yes. And sometimes it's not in the way you want them to like with teenagers, it might come out as an F you. And you're like, (laughs) sometimes it comes out in big ways. And so that humility piece and that like soft belly breathing or regulation for yourself piece is huge as you're on that journey to try and implement that with other people. It it sounds like it'll get you out of the flight or fight mode, which yes, parent with two children who are always, there's always something, somebody's either having anxiety, the ADHD is on 24 seven, or we have there's just something happening, right? And somebody's plate, their food touched some other food. And now it's just this huge meltdown. There's always fight or flight in my house. And I think removing yourself from that is so healthy and so hard, but that mm-hmm. sounds like getting that vagus nerve in action and um, actually working and doing what it's supposed to do removes you from, from that fight or flight, which our bodies need. We need those calm and chill and just back. Yes. Yes. And I think we also need to like we need to know self-expression is healthy, even when it comes out in an ugly way. Mm -hmm. And as parents, we really try to teach our kids how to express their emotions in a way that we deem as healthy or that society deems as acceptable because you can't just go like have a meltdown in the grocery store and throw everything off the shelf. Like (laughs) when you get older, it doesn't work. Right. Like, So we, we try really hard to teach them modalities of like how to express their emotions in a healthy way. And for me, it's so important to remember that when we're having a hard day or we're not proud of how we're showing up as parents, we don't usually punish ourselves for that. Like we have moments to reflect and learn, but typically we want to do something that's comforting, nurturing, or gets it out. And as parents, we have the authority over ourselves to do that. We can like flip our lid at work and come home and say, you know what? Like I'm done for the Mm -hmm. day. I am done. I'm ordering pizza. I'm not cooking. I am not doing my chores for the night. Like I am done. But when kids have a really rough day, oftentimes they come home and we're like, tell us about it. What happened? All right, we'll get to those chores. Like, man, do you really think you earned getting to go to the skate park with your friend today? And it kind of goes down this way of like trying to teach them through methods of like, motivation, right? Mm -hmm. So like 
um, what did you earn or what punishment do you have? And we do it not out of like, we do it because we love them and we're trying to teach them a lesson, but we have to evaluate, especially with kids who have um, mental health diagnoses or unique emotional needs mm-hmm. that we have to recognize that they're not just going to process that as like a typical child would. Absolutely. And they need opportunities to have fresh starts or turn things around or have an out from a big moment. All right. I had the big moment. I'm not proud of it. We talked about it. Like now can I get on with my life? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be the person who's known about knowing for having big moments. Like, mm-hmm. so really trying to create that opportunities for self-expression and think of, think of self-expression, not just in using your words, but man, going to the skate park is self-expression. Like it is regulating your body. It is adrenaline release and getting dopamines and endorphins. It releases like that built up cortisol within your body. It is connection to friends that make you feel good again. Like that is therapeutic, like by all means therapeutic, even though we would say no, like you didn't earn that today. Or like your actions really have told me like you need to go sit in your room and think about what you did. Like, So think of that, like self, I I put that all in a self-expression category because like that is how we emote and process and learn. I love that. I love that. That's a, it's a different way to look at parenting because it is, you're right. And you had said this earlier, but it's the whole body. It's just, you're looking at everything. It's not just your verbal expression. It's Mm -hmm. everything. And the movement is so important as you had previously mentioned. Yeah. Um, Okay. So this is wonderful. So your podcast can you share how you have a podcast versus what you're doing to help individual families so that yeah, look forward to when they log in or if they're trying to find something specific? Yeah. So I developed the podcast as, um, my first kind of step into, I want people to know that they have the power within themselves to heal. And that when they look left and right around them in this world, people all around them are already doing it, even though they might not talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a place for everyday people. Like it's not, I'm not trying to have like experts or like famous people or well-known people to be on there. They already have platforms to tell their story. We can Google it if we care, but everyday people are figuring this out with similar circumstances as you and similar life upbringings as you. And I want people to hear these stories, almost like stories of hope for themselves, hear how hard it can get. So some of the things that we listen to are very triggering and it talks about those deep, dark, hard moments. And then it talks about how we got out of them and what were the things that helped like bring us out of them. And then as I was, I mean, it's kind of all just evolved really, Ashley, as I was like bringing the, um, the stories into place, I was like, okay, I think people also need tidbits and tricks that are, are for like, really forward and don't always have to come with a big story. And so I've started once a week, I have a big story, someone sharing their journey. And then once a week, I also have like just like little tidbits and tricks to reframe our mind or help us like get through things. And then, um, as I was going through that, I was like, all right, this, this really touches on people seeing that, that you can, right. You can get through hard things and there's ways to do it, but sometimes we need community. And I have a really soft spot in my heart for working with children with mental health diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the kids that I've worked with in the past are kids who are in foster care or in shelters and group homes. Um, so the state is their, their guardian. Um, and and, it's not so strong then. 
Yeah. And I really want to create opportunities for parenting to be seen differently and to develop a community of parents who are going to be willing to sign up and say like, all right, like I, I can do this. And I've done this with my kid. Maybe I'm going to do it with another kid one day. And, um, that's my dream. I'm going to be a foster parent, um, as my son gets a little bit older and I want, I want there to be this understanding that it's not, our dream for what it's going to be like, it's not going to be like that. That's going to be okay. And you're going to be able to figure it out and it'll be its own kind of beautiful. And so what, what is that? And so really that's kind of how it's all morphed together. (laughs) I like it's morphed, but it's beautiful. That's all coming together. So how can people find you then? Obviously your podcast, but what other ways can people find you? Yeah. So I have a website. Um, so it's www.oneworldempowered.com. You can also get through it by typing in or get to it by typing in www.empowerthenumber2heal.com. And my podcast is empower the number two heal. And my email is Dina, D-E-N-A-T, at empower the number two heal.com. And so you can get to me through any of those means. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I mean, you just gave us some wholesome, like I, I keep coming back to this, like it's the whole body picture. You just gave us some really good wholesome things, but is there anything else that you feel like we should all, we have to know before we say goodbye? Um, I think really is to have hope. Uh, it, it's a hard journey and you can do it and never give up that hope because tomorrow can be different than today. One, that's a good one. It's a good note. Thank you so much, Dina, for speaking with me. This was absolutely what I needed today to learn about. Yes. Thank you for having me, Ashley. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead. Tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty-gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, imperfect parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey.